2: Well, I mentioned I was buying the .eth domains. Pretty much like GoDaddy of Web3. I had mad fucking coins. And I said, well, what's the value of these coins? And, you know, when you register your coins, you, there's a, like an official registry and then they peg a value. The value was $17 per. I only spent three grand on the domains. Is it true that this shit is worth $17,000? I sold all the coins and I, and I took the, the cash out. When's the last time GoDaddy gave you anything for owning a .com?
3: My graduates from my school being Forbes. Backdrop. Backdrop. (laughs) F*** mic drop. Backdrop. Backdrop. If y'all love EYL, I need you to make some noise, please. I got my guy, John Henry. Y'all know John? legend, Buster shit! If you're a true EYL, you know he was the first person on our platform to speak about NFTs before anybody else. That's a very little known secret. So, only the diehard EYL fans know about that, but we got a jam-packed day for you guys, man. We got these two legends right now. My brother Troy, he's coming on next with the one and only master investor Ian Dunlap, Wall Street Trapper. We got, we got the OG, Bun B's gonna come. H-Town, DJ Michael Watts, Um, of course, my guy Toby Wigway, legend, legend himself, so, you know, it's a vibe, man. Shout out to Ally, shout out to our partners at United Masters, every time we get together we make magic happen, so, just want to thank you guys for coming out, we about to get it to it, let's do it. (laughs) All right, so, the moment you all been waiting for, this is a conversation that I'm excited to actually ask. To host this panel, because I felt like this is something that we don 't get a chance to talk about a lot, we talk about stocks a lot, real estate a lot, and i love I love both of those, but you know I, I get into a whole different vibe when we talk about nfts and crypto and web three point and this is what we you know we 're in the future, so we 're in the future now, so it 's important to educate ourselves and know what 's going on so John Henry really needs no introduction, but i 'll give one. He actually is based in Austin now from New York. Co-founder of Harlem Capital, the legendary Harlem Capital for um, Black Brothers. Yeah, give it a clap for that. That started a legendary venture capital firm. Then, now what he's doing now is the CEO of Loop, Loop Car Insurance. So, Loop Car Insurance has revolutionized the car insurance industry. And we got to thank him because he gave us our opportunity for our first angel investment. Our first ever angel investment yeah, was into his was up company for
2: on that one yes sir
3: I appreciate you, I appreciate you for that John Henry's a whiz kid man, knows everything when it comes to the <laughs> to you know valuations and selling a company and all of this stuff, man, extremely extremely smart guy, and then Buster share like i said if you don't if you don't know, you should check his episode out. episode one thirty of e y l last April we spoke, and buster he's a whiz kid for real twenty one years old. He's the, the founder of Hoop Nation, which is an Instagram page, has 1 million followers, 5 million followers on TikTok. He is the, the voice of the Crew League um, on Revolt, and he's an avid NFT investor. He actually, we talk about it, but he spoke, I don't even want to save it, I'll save it for later. But he, if you listen to his episode and actually did some of the things that he said, you made a lot of money. If you didn't, then shame's on you. But uh, first and foremost, thank you, guys. I appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. Yo, first things first, every time, I'm proud of this one, every time I've jumped on the EYL platform, I've first started by paying respect to the brothers at EYL because it wasn't that long ago when someone got me uh, hooked up with them, episode 45, and I pulled up to Troy's crib in like yonkers in their living room and they was talking about doing really big things and i don't know if y'all been keeping up but they've been doing some really big things appreciate so that. i'm gonna need y'all to make some noise for earn your leisure because every generation we have a couple superstars that emerge and this is that time right now with these brothers so so shout agreed out
3: to you guys. appreciate that brother um so let's get into this so buster i'm gonna start with you let's start with this nft conversation so if you listen to his episode, when he came on in April, he talked about CryptoPunks. He talked about Bored Apes. He talked about OpenSea. And that was early. CryptoPunks, how much was it at that time? So the floor of CryptoPunks was
1: about 20000 at the time. It's about 200000 now. And Bored Apes was, had just minted, and they minted at .08 ETH. And now
3: it's at uh, about $300,000. See? All you had to do is listen. <laughs> so let's, let's back it up because I still feel like a lot of people don't fully understand what, what NFTs are. So before we go into too in-depth, can we just go over some basic terms? When you, when you talk about a floor, right, um, can you explain to them what, what a floor in the NFT project is?
1: Yeah, so a floor of an NFT project is essentially the cheapest that you can buy said NFT for. Usually projects have between 5,000 and 10,000 total supply. The best ones will be the highest and the worst per se will be at what is the floor, which is the cheapest you can get one for.
3: So, minting. What is what is minting?
1: Minting is getting it when it first comes out, so you're the first person to own it and you have to pay gas to actually receive it from wherever uh, they put it out initially from, and usually it's a it's blind, so you don't know which one you're going to get. So you're minting an NFT in a project. You know you're going to get one from the project, but you don't know which one you're going to get. That is minting.
3: Um. Somebody says they pulled the rug. What does that mean? So
1: a rug is essentially when somebody launches a project, makes all these promises, and then doesn't fulfill those promises. That is what's called getting rugged, which is when a founder just leaves a project entirely. Uh, Similar to where in in like a traditional business standpoint, if somebody took a bunch of investment and then said, I don't really care about
2: this
3: company anymore. So, all right. Now you got some basic terms. Let
2: me also paint a little little context because I feel like this NFT shit kind of came out of nowhere. I don't know if you guys agree, but I'm seeing Heineken and Budweiser and a lot of corporates now... I like to pay attention to big money, because they don't do shit for the fun of it. They do it because there's money to be made. And it wasn't that long ago that some of the first projects were emerging. Now, I had long since been following crypto, and people was talking about, yo, buy you know, Bitcoin, all this other stuff, and people made a lot of money doing that. But I'm not a currency trader, I- I'm busy. I run a 55 person company, you know, uh, and we're, we're trying to change shit at financial services but it's my job as a co-CEO to pay attention to trends. Um, and what, what happened was a collectible layer came, emerged on top of the cryptocurrencies. So now it's not just you trading coins, like trading dollars and pounds. It's like now people made stuff on top of it that you can collect, right? And so if a poppin' ass artist for example, makes a limited collection of a certain you know, type of art, people can buy and sell those. And it's really cool for artists, including musicians, because they get a perpetuity of the royalties. So like Basquiat, for example, he only sold that art one time and, o- and only made money that one time. But now we have a device that allows the artist to collect royalties in perpetuity. And so the, 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 there's signal and then there's noise. Noise is when you can't decipher the value. Signal is when there's value. So the noise is all the speculation. How are these fucking apes worth 300,000? I have no clue, but pay attention to the signal. The signal is big corporates moving in. The signal is uh, NFTs potentially having more utility beyond just trading apes. It might be the future of how leases are done, the way you buy all different types of things can be NFTs in the future. So I wanted to start this conversation first by contextualizing I don't want you guys, don't make the mistake of discarding this. We can't afford to do that as a community. I'm going to keep it a buck with y'all right now. Because the banking system done left us out of the FHA program in 1965 when it was the single greatest driver of personal wealth in this country. Okay? So we have a new revolution right now, as Rashad was saying. So don't make the mistake to discard this. Discard the noise and pay attention to the signal.
3: That's a fact. Ladies and gentlemen, John Henry wastes no time. It's like a heavyweight fighter. Just came out <laughs> swinging. <laughs> so, all right. So let me ask you guys this. Both of you guys, you can chime in. Um, what's the future of NFTs, do you think? We want to talk about utilities, and you can kind of explain utilities a little bit more if you want. But a lot of projects are starting to, you know, go down in value. Like any new emerging industry, like even with crypto a couple years ago when a lot of coins went to zero. But I always say, like, the dot-com era, most of those companies went to zero, um, crypto, most of those coins went to zero, yep. but the internet is still here. doesn't devalue the internet, right. it doesn't devalue cryptocurrency. Right. So, what do you feel for the naysayers that say, like, this is just a, a one time thing and it's going to be gone next year? And um, how do you feel about utility? Because that's where I see the value is in more of a utility yep. project.
1: Yeah, utility is 100% the value. I think the projects that haven't panned out since, you know, we first started talking about NFTs last April are the ones that don't have utility. And the ones that do are those where they actually send you physical things. They give you tokens. They give you a lot of these projects, give you digital land where there are these uh, metaverses where they give each holder plots of those land. And people who hold conferences and share and talk and educate people, those are the ones that I've seen do the best. The future is in everything, right? Like you mentioned royalties. Think about that for a traditional artist that has to pay to rent Madison Square Garden, let's say. Drake's coming to New York. He plays at MSG. He pays the venue. Then they sell some of the tickets. The arena gets a cut of that, too. Now he, so Before, he sold that front row ticket for $10,000, and that was it the reseller then sold it for 20,000, the reseller of the reseller sold it for 40,000, but now if that ticket is an nft and it can't be converted without 10% going to the original artist, now drake's making, you know, 15, 20, 25,000 just from resales of those tickets. So think about that across the board for every sporting event, for every concert, for an event like this even. If there were if if entry costs money and it was a limited amount of tickets, and you had to pay to get in, and more people wanted to get in than could fit. Everybody here would resell theirs, but at least a percentage of that would go back to the original creator. So the way that money is going to be uh, sent and brought back to the original creator of anything, whether it be a podcast or a concert or a sporting event, is changed forever.
2: Let me double-click on that. I think that's a great building block. Um, I was upstairs earlier, I seen a lot of Rolexes um, and people pull up and whips and, you know... It's
3: an investment, a, it's an investment. <laughs>
2: right, right, right. There's a reason people buy those things, right? Like, I got a couple too. We uh, got a couple of nice toys. There's all things that, we, that we'll invest our uh, discretionary income on. Uh, and it's really no different in this new era with this new type of currency. There's collections that are you know, uh, rising in value, and they're a lot more valuable than a Rolex. And let me underpin a really critical fact of Web3, and that is your wallet is public. Yep. That's it's a fact. publicly accessible wallet. I can go check out what you own, and what you own, and what you own. And so with that dynamic, you know, it's, it's playing off of human behavior in the sense that the same reason you buy the, the Benz or the Rolex is the same reason why you're going to buy into some of the collections and show them off. And if you look on VC Twitter right now, you're going to see a lot of profile pictures of different collections because they just want to show off what tribe they belong to, what they believe in, and so on. Um, so that's one aspect is the social behavior. The economics is important to underpin as well, especially now because you know it's South by Southwest, Uh, uh, you know, music portion. Before, you would have to go to a label to get funded and discovered. But Web3 democratizes access and it effectively becomes uh, a vehicle by which you can fund your own projects. Fuck, you got to get the approval of a label for now when you can just go directly to your fans, put out an NFT that allows you to monetize the direct relationship you have with your community, and now you have the capital to make a bang and ass album, you know, do activations, and go on tour. Um, so don't ignore this as a mechanization of monetizing the relationship you have with your community directly.
1: Oh, one other thing that I would add, too, you know, I remember at the beginning of... 2021 when we first started talking about NFTs and a lot of people that I would send it to and be like you should take a look at this, this is interesting I think this could be the future of traditional collectibles things sports cards uh, memorabilia sign things whatever it may be and they're like well there's no intrinsic value I'm like well there's no intrinsic value in any of the other stuff either the difference between in raw material value between the greatest Michael Jordan rookie card and this bored ape is about one penny because of the cardboard that it was printed on maybe less. So when you start when you push that aside, at least you're able to look at it as okay, a lot of these things are equal. There's no intrinsic value of something that was done by Da Vinci per se. The material value is very minimal. It's what we as a society put on that. And the great thing about, you know, NFTs and digital things is, you know, like you mentioned, if somebody if somebody owns a Da Vinci and they keep it in their house high security, um you know we don't we don't see it whereas every wallet my wallet you know everybody else's wallet is publicly available to see and see what those things are so it really is a museum that travels with you in your pocket and uh once you sort of get over the intrinsic value hump which is what i saw early on from people that that i was friends with irl uh it all starts to make a lot more sense so i wanted to say that too
0: you do it all without breaking a sweat and you do it all in style From being a boss exec to getting the kids ready for school, checking homework, family dinners, lunches and brunches with your day ones, trips to the salon, and weekend getaways that are anything but a getaway. That's why Infinity fully reimagined the QX60 to help you conquer it all with ease. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. Even when you have back-to-back conference calls on top of the kids' basketball practices, not to mention your side hustles, it's all done with grace. The all-new Infiniti QX60 has available features like seating for up to seven passengers, a suite of active safety features, and massaging front seats. It's the SUV designed to help you conquer life in style. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information.
3: Yeah, there's no intrinsic value in almost anything, really. I mean, the American dollar, what's the intrinsic value there? It's just the faith that we have in its back by the military. Yep. Um, gold you know, has some uses, but most people don't use gold like that. They just hoard it. It's like, you know, that's why I said Bitcoin is like digital gold. Um, housing has value, but even that is subjective. Like a house in here could be the same exact house in a house in New York, but the house in New York is worth 10 times more. Like why? Because people think that New York real estate is worth more than Texas real estate. As soon as they start to think differently then everything changes. So I think that that's very important in what you said. We have to get out of that because that is something that people say like, well, it has no value. Well, you know, a lot of things have no value. So let me, if you look at it like that, a lot of things do have a lot of value. So you both of you guys not only talk about NFTs, but you own NFTs as well, right? So what for people that's looking to invest in NFT projects, What are some things that they need to take into consideration when looking at this is a good project to invest in, this is a bad product to invest in?
2: On the note of tangible value, you know what does have tangible value and is not subject to fluctuating sentiment is income producing real estate because the way that you value real estate is based off the cash flow. I'm going to tell you guys something that's going to blow your mind right now. I own a few multifamily properties. They produce cash flow. I sold one of those buildings. I took the earnings, is that 500,000, and I put. I went all in into NFTs. Here's why. I pay attention to the startup markets. I pay attention to the public markets. Right, right now, there's a public market correction, so all the public companies are coming down to value. But even six months ago, everything was at an all-time high. And I'm trying to make sense of it. People are paying all-time high values on multiples of revenue in the public markets, in the private markets, even real estate. I'm getting some cash flow, but not a whole lot. And so what I need us to understand as a community is that every once in a while, there's a generational shift and potentially the emergence of a new asset class. I want you guys to view this as an asset class. And when you're looking at it from the, uh, the perspective of price arbitrage and pricing inefficiency, I believe that there's a lot of room for NFT uh, floors and prices to go way up. So I said, all right, bet. If I lose this half a M, that's going to hurt. <laughs> but if Web3 plays out, it'll change my life. I get chills saying that shit. You guys put a little bit of money, and, and like Ian is going to smack me inside the head because he's, you know, he's got like the, the long-term investment principles, but... If you invest a little bit of money on a prolonged basis in the market, bet, you're gonna be up 8, 15%. If you find the opportunity that's generational, like we didn't have a chance to invest in Amazon when Amazon was being founded in 1995. You feel me? Like it's the two, three year window. It's the 12 to 18, 24 months where a lot of these projects are gonna be within reach and we have to make decisions as a community. Are we gonna buy public stocks that are that are blue chip and then they're gonna give you a three percent yield? But remember, scare money don't make no money. And plus, I don't know about y'all, but I grew up dead fucking broke. I come from a household that grew up below the poverty line. Both parents' income combined didn't make 24 grand in Washington Heights. What's good? <laughs> I ain't got nothing to lose. My so if <laughs> so if if that's where we're coming from then what do we have to lose by hedging into something that opportunistically and macroeconomically has a lot of room to grow, and we're getting the indications from the corporates. So that's how I approached my NFT investment journey. And uh, I know we didn't get into like what, I, what we look for in a collection, but I wanted to contextualize this shit as an investment opportunity. Um, so that's my take on it.
1: 100%. The upside, like you said, is infinite, And I I sort of look at it from a similar way as to where it's like investing in a startup because if so far NFT projects have only made money from inside the NFT projects, but there will come a point where they build businesses on the side of the NFTs and then put that revenue back into it. What's the difference between Amazon and that? There is none. They all make money outside of, inside the core team and from a specific user base. Like, that's the way that I see all of this playing out. Young and old, intelligent founders from all around the world create a company. It's, the, fa- the facade of that is art, but then underneath that, when they get the funding, the good ones, We'll create businesses on the sides of those, and it's entirely possible that one day we see a project that has 10000 and
2: has a $10 million floor. Entirely possible. Play, let's play that out a little further. The other day, I'm, I'm seeing, at, at any moment now, you're seeing news, news. I seen that the board Apes, you guys seen them, um, they got signed to a major label, and they made a band out of the apes. When I saw that, it, it clicked right away. I understand, it's intellectual property development. You're creating characters. Imagine if Harry Potter, when it came out, was an NFT collection. Imagine if you bought into Harry Potter at the fucking start of it, right? Mickey
3: or Mickey Mouse. Absolutely. All these brands, Coles, I'm so again.
2: Bob. I'm, when I look for projects, I look for IP development opportunities. Do I fuck with the characters? Do I resonate with like, just the way they come across? Can I see this being an audiobook? book? Um, do they have a robust community? I'll tell you right now, if EYL dropped the NFT project, who would buy? Hands up. Soon reach. Okay. <laughs> by, the, by the way, fun moment. Fucking six, seven, eight months ago, uh, you know how there's a .com, right? I tried to buy, like, VM.com many years back, see, and, and, that like shit, and that shit was, was 500000 I was like, bad, I, no, I can't, I can't. And then when I noticed that, that uh, NFT projects, they had the .eth, I said, yo, this is the new .com. Once you've seen something one time, it's up, on, it's up to you to seize the day the next time. So you know what I did? I went on to, you could buy this shit as ensdomains.com. I started buying up .eth domains. And and I I started buying my home I started buying my shit first, johnhenry.eth, got it. And then I started buying uh, my homies next. And then I started buying my enemies after that. And I was like, caught you slipping, bitch. Caught you slipping, bitch, caught you slipping, bitch. I hit up shot, I was like, yo, you guys got EYL.eth? He's like, nah, man, someone sniped it, but we was looking though. I was like, guess who owns that shit? And guess what? I paid a rack for it, but I'm going to hook the homies up with it anyway because that's love. Uh, we but. still need
3: that, too, by the way. I got you on that.
2: <laughs> that's
3: that was crazy. Troy, Troy was like, we saw YouTube, but he was, he was like, yo, somebody, damn, somebody took it. It was like weeks here to tell us until I spoke to him about <laughs> South by Southwest. He's like, oh, by the way, I own EYL. <laughs> I'm like, well, are you going to plan on telling me? Or <laughs> what we yo, gonna well, do? I, I was secretly like, just waiting to see how long motherfuckers took before they came to me.
2: So, Wait, was you.
1: your wallet address not public? Did you yeah. not have your ENS on
2: it? I, I had it on my public address and I was just waiting. And I'm just like, yo, <laughs> you yeah, <some> motherfuckers <laughs>
1: snoozing.
3: That like, would have been even more awkward if you were looking at who owned it and saw yeah. it that way. Yeah, definitely, he definitely caught a slipping. But that's, that's <laughs> a good gem right there, though, because that, that is the new website. Yes, that is the new website for sure. Um, first of all, shout out to Tamika Mallory and Mike Son in the building. Thank you for your advocacy. Appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. absolutely. Um,
3: let's talk about Let's talk about ApeCoin. That's interesting. You just told me about that. So, you know, we talked about the Board 8 Yacht Club, and now it's like a whole new vibe with them actually having a cryptocurrency, which went live today, right? Yep, this morning. On all major platforms?
1: Eventually, yeah. They're all live now.
3: So just kind of explain that, but even deeper than that, explain how that could be an evolution that could potentially change, you know, how we look at these things.
1: Yeah, so again, you're going to start seeing these projects do things that, you know, whether they originally started as art or had plans of utility, eventually to expand, they have to turn into a real business. And Board Apes have done that time and time again. They actually acquired CryptoPunks. So, Board Apes' uh, parent company, Yuga Labs, now owns the CryptoPunks as well. That was a uh, very large deal that valued that company at over $4 billion. And you know, the next iteration for a lot of these companies as they create new projects is to create their own currency. So they launched ApeCoin, uh, which launched this morning. I last time I checked it was about seven dollars each. And anybody that owned an ape before got an airdrop that was between seventy thousand and two hundred thousand dollars just for having owned an ape. So without selling their ape they were able to make a lot. Uh, and that that isn't necessarily the outside business idea that we were talking about before, but what it will allow is for when they do their land releases, when they have parties, when they launch merch, it'll only be payable in ApeCoin. Um, so that's that's sort of the another level of how these cer- certain NFT projects are expanding, uh, and they are you know an example of the ones that have done it the best. And you know, regulatory-wise, it's very complicated. But if you're if you're worth $4 billion, it gets,
2: it gets a little bit less. Let's go further on the coins. Um, so so you had mentioned the term, airdrop, and this is unique to the Web3 space, but what it effectively allows you to do is if you publish said NFT, um, let's say you're an artist, you publish you know NFT collection, 5,000, you got 5,000 fans, cool. Now you can, because you, they own something that's linked to your con- collection you can effectively transmit to them anything of your choosing okay now people have gotten very creative with this that's called the airdrop if you all all own an NFT that i made i can airdrop to you something that you authenticate the fact that you own my nft by connecting your wallet bet once that's registered i transmit something of value to you okay cool how have people played that out well i mentioned i was buying the eth domains so from the companies, pretty much like GoDaddy of Web3, they launched a coin, their own coin called ENS coin. And what they did was, hey, anyone who bought an ENS domain before X date, you get set amount of coins. And, and people knew that I was sniping domains, so my Twitter was blowing up. Yo, JH, you gotta check out uh, how many coins you get? I went, I checked it out, I had mad fucking coins. And I said, well, what's the value of these coins? And, you know, when you register your coins, you, there's, a, like, an official registry, and then they peg a value. And I had, like, 400 coins, and I think the, the value was $17 per. And I did the math. I was like, I only spent three grand on the domains. Is it true that this shit is worth $17,000? Yup. And, and <laughs> someone's like, yo, but hold it, because the is going to go up. I was like, nah, I'm telling this shit right now. <laughs> I sold all the coins, and I, and I took the, the cash out. But here's the bigger takeaway. When I tweeted that, I was like, yo, I can't believe I just made 17 grand. Someone tweeted back and said, when's the last time GoDaddy gave you anything for owning a dot-com? Again, I got the chills, and I heard a few wows. That is the difference between the way that the Web3 economy is evolving. It allows you to have an, an economy with your consumer base so that the support is not just them to you you can go back to them and when you guys own eyl coin it's coming you guys are going to get airdrops from ian Dunlap, the mortgage guy you know whomever all the stars in the ecosystem right and so that is a very interesting opportunity for us as an insurance company for example because if we made loop coin then we have a way to reward our community for being part of our, you know, uh, our mini economy, so to speak. And that's something that I wanted to illustrate for y'all as another example of a very unique dynamic that is worth uh, unpacking.
3: Now it's extremely important. And um a high-level conversation. Shout out to my guy, him, 500, in the building. And we was talking backstage, and um, when Buster was telling us about that, we have a mutual friend that owns a, 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 ape, a board ape. And he called them, and he was like, yeah, I made 70000 today. So, you know, you have these information, obviously resources as well, but information can really change your life. Like, you know, think about making $70,000 for no reason, literally. Yeah. He just owns one. What about the people right. that own 10, right. own 100? Right. So there's somebody out there, I saw it on Twitter today, who
1: owns 100 apes and 100 mutant apes and 100 kennels, which is the third iteration. He made $60 million today. Uh, just on an airdrop, so and he lives
3: in Portugal, so it's not taxed. Yeah, it's one of these things. You know, everybody always laughs, like you know, it's stupid, it's ape, it's, it's it's all funny until it's not. That's right. <laughs> and
1: by the way, the next one is going to be MetaMask. So MetaMask, which is the wallet that everybody uses to buy and sell NFTs. If anybody in here has ever bought and sold an NFT
2: with MetaMask, you have an airdrop coming. But here's the thing: I don't give a fuck about the apes. I care about your collections more than I care about the apes. Do you understand why I'm here? You get what I'm saying? I don't give a fuck about the apes. I also don't give a fuck about MetaMask. I give a fuck about who's in this room right now. And all the collections that I want to see emerge right now. And the W's that I want you guys to get right
3: now. 100%. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, extremely important. John. John. Let's talk about Loop since we are investors in Loop. Yes, you are. Yes, you we are. have. We have a <laughs> shout out to Loop Squad. We got like thirty oh, deep. Oh okay. In the crowd okay. Right shout now. out to Loop. <laughs> so Loop is a new age uh, company, but you you're mixing AI with yeah. insurance, which insurance is not something that's sexy. But talk about Loop a little bit because it's interesting. Um, you talked about how racist insurance is. Absolutely. And you talk about how you're changing the face of insurance. Absolutely. You're adding AI to insurance. That's right. And then once we saw Nas invested, we had to invest. Yeah. So yeah, talk about talk about everything you got going on with Luke. Yo,
2: by the way, life has a lot of full circle moments. Uh, Shadi, I know you're a huge Nas fan. I grew up listening to thousands and thousands of hours of Nas, and to have Nas invested in my company is uh, is a moment that I received humbly, and uh, I got on one knee as I did, as I still do often, um, because it's nothing but gratitude in this journey. Um, yeah, so look, I mentioned that we, we was collectively omitted from the FHA program. I thought it was because the banks didn't want to lend to our community. But then I learned better. Banks would do whatever for their interests, okay? It was the insurance companies that dictated certain areas and said, hey, these areas are uninsurable. Of course, we now know that as redlining. Uh, and so the reason that we weren't able to participate was not because of the banks, although they typically get the heat is actually because of the insurance. And so insurance is the invisible culprit in financial services that underpins trillions of dollars of economic activity. You can barely go to the bathroom without fucking insurance. You need it to buy a crib, you need it to buy an investment, you need to buy a a whip, you need it for everything. And when we took a look at uh, just how much inequality there is in the actual pricing, I'm talking about the guts of the guts of the guts of that system. A lot of the way that they price people is based on demographic factors, right? Because these models were built a long time ago. So they would say, mm, do you own your crib? Mm, nah. All right. Uh, What's your credit score? Uh, what kind of job you work? And, of course, what they're low-key doing is, are you black or uh, uh, are you affluent? And to, to, to present a startling statistic, today, right now, all of this stuff is public because insurance is regulated, uh, at Progressive, for example, you could have a DUI and two speeding tickets, i.e., fucking reckless. But if you live in an affluent, affluent neighborhood and well-educated, you actually get a better rate than someone who lives in a low-income area with a completely clean record. And I don't know about y'all, but that's not gonna fly anymore. And so we we wanted to create a vertically integrated insurance company as as non-sexy as it sounds when I have to say, yeah, I'm selling car insurance. Yeah, I'm selling car insurance. You're goddamn right. And what we're doing sure. is we have the technology now to price people based on how they drive, but the big idea here is much more powerful. Can we create a fair, honest, transparent insurance company that is made, by the way, by a citizen of our same neighborhoods? Um, and, and the way that that fuses with Web3 is you know, y'all know you got projects, I'm sure, you. how many of y'all got a side hustle, hands up? Okay, how many of y'all full-time entrepreneurs, hands up? How many of y'all thinking about becoming entrepreneurs, hands up? How many of y'all just got invested in stocks and shit, hands up? So everyone here is trying to get their bag. So the way that this fuses the web two with the web three thing is, there's always a way, I wouldn't view it as like, yo, that's the new and this is the present. I would look at ways that you can introduce elements of what's going on into what you're doing, much like how Kanye teases out the new sounds and works into his present sound, sounds that are emerging. Well, so too is commerce. You can work in elements of the future into your present endeavor so that you can, so that your 15 minutes could be as long as Jay-Z's.
3: There you have it. Buster, let's get into this metaverse conversation. Metaverse, what is going on in the metaverse right now? Everybody's talking about it. People still not really, they don't know on the fence. They're like, you're gonna turn us into a whole society of the matrix, like getting plugged into machines and all of that. What's the metaverse all about?
1: So everybody sort of defines the metaverse as something different. And right now it's sort of a buzzword in tech. It doesn't actually mean anything and it has a different definition for everybody. But my definition of it is, you know, quite similar to Web3. So it's, you know, creating new projects, communities, digital land, the future, right? The future is sort of how I look at explaining what the metaverse is. And the way that I see the future playing out is, you know, artists getting their fair share, not needing permission from other people, uh, and, you know, being able... you know, And the, the fact that anybody in here today can start something and you know cultivate a strong community and build something that is greater than the best deal that the best whoever is high up in the world that you're trying to excel in can give you is is sort of where I see the future and how I identify the metaverse and then you know there are, you know uh, other explanations like the way that Mark Zuckerberg looks at it as is you know, everything in our life is going to be digital. So you're going to be taking meetings in VR and you're going to uh, be appearing in other cities as holograms. And, you know, the way that that, the reason that that is good is that you don't have to be living in a specific city. So it sort of takes down barriers of where you live, where you're from, what your house looks like, all different things. And it creates much more equality if everybody's in a virtual meeting, whether it be as themselves or as, like, a panda, because that's how 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 it's really happening. Like, my Instagram profile right now is an NFT. It's not me. And that is just another example of, sure, it's utility because it's like, oh, I like that NFT project, or there are other people that are in that, and then they feel a sort of uh, synergy with me because we both own this thing. But... What it really is is, uh, you know, an example of how people in the future aren't just going to be expressing themselves as their physical form. It's going to be as their avatar form, and that also fits in pretty well with with what the the metaverse is. But the, the metaverse, to me, in short, is the future of tech and, you know, everybody having a chance in a world where the companies all reward you for, you know, supporting them depending on how early you supported them.
2: I think we're already in the metaverse, right? I agree with you. Um, I, I, we flew down a lot of our team, right? We spent all day in Zoom. <laughs> and when we got to meet in real, in real life, it was like I already knew them. Uh, we spend more time with each other now digitally as well uh, on social platforms. And imagine if you're watching TV, my barber gave me this idea, it shit blew my mind. Somehow barbers are like, always ahead of the, the curve. <laughs> He was like, yo, he was cutting me up. He's like, yo, imagine you're just watching TV and you know, you're know you watching like LeBron play and right now like you could just scan a QR code or whatever. It's like, yo, watch this game from like, floor side right now, but you got to pay 10 bucks. Would you do it? Hell yeah. Paying 10 bucks, boom, I'm in there. And by the way, because of the, the way that the social platforms are set up, you might be scrolling on Instagram and that's going to be the gateway to access the metaverse. So now you're scrolling through, you like that experience, you tap through, boom, you're in there. And by the way, who do you want to be when you're in there? You can pull up as a board ape, or as a EYL character, or whatever NFT that you have. And now you're bringing, person, you're personifying some of these NFTs in this metascape. And that just sounds od futuristic. I get, I get it, but it's actually practically and pretty tangibly not too far off from how we already experience the world. Um, And I'm going to be keeping an eye on how this thing, you know, plays out. But what I can say is that the currency, the thing that allows you to uh, partake in the metaverse are going to be NFT collections. So go out there, find you some great NFT collections and view them as stock. If a stock takes off, you know, if you got one share, cool story. But if, you know, if you have a healthy exposure and you got a portfolio of NFT projects, it's going to afford you the ability to take place and to, take, to partake in all different types of projects as growth and, and so on.
3: It's a fact. Um, so let me ask you this before we wrap, John. We're going to bring Trap and Ian out next, and they're going to be talking about stocks. And they got a lot of money in the stock market. But I was talking to Humble, and Humble's a financial advisor, very, very sharp guy. He's Charlemagne's financial advisor, Issa Rae's financial advisor, Alonzo Ball, um, gentleman from Africa. And he was saying, like, you know, in the next five years, like, the amount of money that's going to be made in the private markets is just going to be astronomical. And once again, we kind of getting left, when I say we, we as a community is getting left on the the train because most of us don't even have the opportunity to invest in private companies. We don't have the knowledge to invest in private companies, but that's, that's where you make your 100x, 1,000x is in not necessarily the public markets, in the private markets. You were an angel investor you had a vc firm and now you actually have a startup where you've raised money can you talk about private markets a little bit
2: yeah yeah we can spend some time there i mean look all this all the stocks that you guys buy in the public markets they've already done made money for all the early investors they done got paid out and in in 2018 when we had the record wave of ipos shit in 2020 uh there's a new there's a new vehicle called a SPAC that effectively allows you to go public without any scrutiny from the banks which by the way I think should be damn near illegal Um, however it unlocks a lot of liquidity and when the SPACs you know came out a lot of private operators were like damn we've raised a lot of money in the private markets at some point you you get the biggest check that you're gonna get from the private markets so then you go public and so in 2020 we saw SPAC after SPAC after IPO after IPO and guess what 86% 86% of those profits went to but a handful of firms. And guess what? Those firms were but in a handful of zip codes. Okay? So they was coming from Silicon Valley. Um, and I'm, I'm in this game to democratize where those proceeds come, go to when we IPO. Um, but interestingly, you know who's left holding the bag are regular people. Because guess who buy these IPOs? Pension funds. OK, so like the unions and shit that represent teachers and the public school system and all these people that pool together money from everyday people, they buy these overpriced ass IPOs and then they take a bath when the when the market corrects them. And yet again, it's another opportunity. It's another very stark example of how, you know, when you're privileged, you have access to invest in these deals because you can't even get in these deals unless you're what's called an accredited investor. Um, however. You know, I'm not even, like, the Web3 guy. Like, that's not really my, my jam. But it's coming to me right now, revelation. I really do feel like we should be looking at NFT projects as the democratization of even 100%. private rounds. Because, you know, I don't, you don't need to have uh, a million dollars in network work to, part, to participate in these things. And these projects, the best-run ones, you should be looking for projects that are going to run like businesses, produce revenue. And so in that same way... You guys have a chance right now to buy Twitter at a few dollars a share. You
3: Uh, know what's so crazy? Not to cut you off, but my brother, 19 Keys, we talk all the time. And um, we actually had that conversation where it's like, I feel like NFTs can become the new public offering. Whereas like Nas recently did it with his, he had two songs that he put on Royal. And um, whoever owned it got royalties, has royalties in the song. So what's stopping a company from saying, okay, instead of going public in the private market, I'm gonna go public in public market exactly. and offer. And now you can raise a hundred million dollars by offering your NFT. And now if you own the NFT, now you have equity in the company. Yep. So there, there are two levels of public public offerings
1: really in NFTs. The first is when the NFT comes out, and the second is when the coin comes out. So for the apes, for example, there are tons of everyday people who's you know were in hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt who bought an ape, and made, you know, miracles happen. Um, That is that 100, 200, 500,000 X that before was, you know, unreachable and literally inaccessible for everybody else. So that exists today. It's out there. The the question is, how do you find those? um, And how do you identify people who are good business operators? And the thing that I personally look for is people who have a track record. That's the only way that I can say, okay, this guy... He has a big company, and he's done successful things, maybe even in collectibles before, and that's how I personally identify them. And something that I like, too, is doxed founders, because from what I've found is that the majority of quote-unquote rug pulls, people who start a project, take money, and then leave it, are people who are anonymous, because that's something that's very popular in the NFT space. So I look for people who have something public-facing to lose if they fail, because there's more on the line for them, and they're less
3: likely to leave the project. Great point. Like EYL. yep. (laughs) Nah, what you said was extremely important, and I think people kind of miss that a lot. Like, that's really the only reason why we invested in Loop is because anything that John does, if I have an opportunity to get involved, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. A, he's like a real genius, but also he has a, a proven track record. So it's like I invested in the company not so much because I know the insurance game so much, but I know him. Like, you know what I mean? So I, be- I believe in the CEO. I believe in the founder. Um, no different than Apple, right? No different than Amazon. No different than Tesla. People are investing in Tesla because they really believe in Elon Musk's vision. So the same rules that apply to, you know, stocks, same rules apply to crypto. Same rules apply to NFTs. Look at the project. Look at the people behind the project. Look at their track record. Yep. And usually that's a decent indicator, at least a good indicator, of you know, what to expect in the future. And one other thing, too, listen to what they say their goals are.
1: Do they want to launch you know tokens one day? Do they want to launch businesses on the side? Or do they look at it as just art? Because a lot of people look at it as just art, and that will tell you today that, okay, there aren't going to be additional revenue streams coming from this. So pay close attention to what they're saying their goals are.
3: South by Southwest, man. Make some noise yes, for John yes. and Buster. Yes, 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 yes. High-level conversation. My graduates from my school, being Forbes, bag drop. Bag drop. (laughs) Mic drop, bag drop. Bag drop.